Hello, this is Dom and Andrew. We are back. And before we start the podcast proper, an ad. An ad for our next live event on the 5th of September, Tuesday night. It's all about marriage equality. Just because let's have another conversation about that, Andrew. Mm. It's a tight time. Finally, someone's talking about it. And not just someone. We are assembling a fabulous panel of people from the LGBTI community to give us their experiences, opinions, and perspectives on this debate. It's uh, both sides of the Yes campaign. Absolutely. from Ranging from uh, should we do this to should we have already done this. And uh, and I, I think it's going to be great. We, we've got uh, – should we give a tease of, 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 of one of the guests? Yes, yes. Uh, we have the spectacularly talented Mr. Brendan McLean joining us who has promised to bring his ukulele and to serenade us, which uh, will be spectacular. It's going to be uplifting. It's going to be affirming. It's going to be yes. It's going to be full of yes. There will be rainbows. Possibly unicorns and definitely glitter. Do join us. Whole messy, yes. Book now, giantdwarf.com.au. Hello and welcome to the Double Disillusionist. After a fairly long delay, my name is Dom Knight. Hello, Andrew P. Street. Hello, Dom Knight. It has been a long delay. It's been a bit of a delay. <laughs> and our special guest uh, from Essential Communications, where she's the Director of Research, Rebecca Huntley. Hey, Rebecca. Hey, thank you for having me. Look, before we go any further, quick citizenship check. Andrew? Uh, still Australian. Um, you sure? As well. I, I, look, how many generations do you have to go back? As I, many I as think, there are. Yeah. I, th- I think technically I'm from space. Well, you're from Adelaide, so that, well, that Adelaide, should, that yeah, should yeah, be Well, Adelaide, yeah, that's noted. a different country. Rebecca. This is Rebecca. Yes, indeed. I think there's some backstory I there, am. isn't there? I am. From, actually, I am from Adelaide, but what's more complicated is I was born in England. So if I was to ever seek public office at the federal level, not at the state level, I could, you know, I could be... You could come from anywhere for the Yeah, state you could level. be a member of Mossad and, um, in fact, it's probably a good idea to be a member of you know, some out, kind of it? cult yeah. if you're in the New South Wales Parliament. But I would have to actively renounce my citizenship. But the thing that's going for me is that I actually did a law degree. Did you do a law degree? I did. I did. So do you rem- I remember reading the Constitution and yeah. I remember a long time ago... Mm. And it was written a long time ago. To it be was. Fair. <laughs> it was, and I did a little bit of teaching constitutional law, and I remember just thinking, "Oh, it's weird. Not only, you know, it possibly eligible, not even actually a citizen, but possibly eligible." I remember yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, strange. if but the High Court it. interprets it in a more difficult context, I don't know how. You, look, anyone who could hypothetically be eligible, because you can get your British. This is a bit of a de- detour, but. You can get your British citizenship back. I looked at all the forms back when Malcolm Roberts wasn't being interrogated by Paul Murray. Um, and because you, you you've got to pay all this money to renounce it, which I can see why he wouldn't have done before running. But too bad. Um, but then you can join up again. So if you've renounced it once, they'll only let you do it once. But surely you've got to do a double renunciation before you're no longer wow. eligible for British citizenship. Yeah. Oh, Yes, wow. exactly. So, I mean, yeah, so it's very interesting. So... And then my grand, I've, I've never explored this because when I got my British passport, Britain was part of the European Union. So mm. any, my, my mother's side is Italian. So Goodness I never me. thought it mm. wasn't, I wouldn't go and get an Italian passport because you wouldn't need to. But when Brexit happened, I remember thinking, oh, I wonder if I could, anyway. So I, oh, look, I'm not that I'm ever. Just ask Matt Kahneman. Yeah, just get your mum to talk. sign you well, up without your knowledge. Maybe she has. She's done all kinds of things behind my back. <laughs> mum wanted me to marry Andrew Street when I was five. 
this is true. We get, this we is a back. whole other eligibility yeah. situation <laughs> here. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Yes, we, and we went to, to ju- well, is it junior primary or primary? I thought you were going to say juvie. Very yeah. early. Yeah, yeah. We, we were in juvie together. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we went to primary school together. And then How lovely. We, For a and, year and yeah. then never saw each other again until last year. Mm. What a beautiful story. Yeah, That's beautiful. very unlike South Australians, isn't it? <laughs> to lose touch. That is. That is weird. Well, to be fair, she abandoned I leave, I left Adelaide way before I did. Yes, I so that brings us to the other big political issue of the moment, yes. marriage equality. Yes. And mm. I'm pretty sure that five-year-old unions don't count, but who knows if what a plebiscite would find. Well, look, I, I think this is one of Erica Betts's problems, is that if we do allow marriage equality, then five-year-olds can marry. Bridges is my yeah. understanding. Well, I think he married Jesus at a very early age, and that's where this all comes back from. Oh, dear. And, and he, Jesus has married a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of bigamy going on. He married the church. I, I can't really remember my, my Bible, but he's done a lot of stuff like that. So, look, this is a complicated situation that we're in. We're in a very odd situation where it's now being called, I think, a postal survey of the Australian <laughs> people. It's not a plebiscite. It's not a referendum. It's not a good idea either, but um, all kinds of misinformation has been circulating about this thing. Uh on the weekend, I think, or certainly recently, a Canberra Times article suggested that the ABS would have to adjust the numbers um, of this result. And I've now Lane Sainty from BuzzFeed, who I don't doubt, says that they're not doing that. It's hugely complicated and detailed. Rebecca, this is your area of expertise. What on earth is going on? Yeah, it's look, it, it's quite funny in the market re- social research clan. Um, <laughs> in the biz. In the biz. Yeah. We were all, you know, as as general human beings who just want marriage equality to be dealt with so we can join the rest of the civilised world, there's an anger. But as from a methodological point of view, from a a data nerd point of view, we're all just ripping our hair out. (laughs) So to explain to the listeners and to you what this is like, it's kind of Mm. a parallel. It's like a client coming into my office and saying to me, hey, we want to do a piece of research we're really wedded to a terrible methodology for an extremely large amount of money. <laughs> we're doing it because there's a couple of people on the board who hate the CEO and we're doing it to make them happy so everybody else can kind of do what we want to do to make them happy. But even when the research results come out, they will remain unhappy. So what do you think? <laughs> How would you like to do this piece of research? And most of the time, occasionally as a researcher, you're, you realise that you're doing a piece of research for weird internal political reasons. So mm. terrible, don't understand why they want to do it in a particular way. Very rarely for the amount of money that we're talking the federal government want to spill. <laughs> and you realise that they're doing it for internal political reasons and you realise as a researcher you're going to get it in the neck. I mean, this is what this is like. This is the worst possible way to do anything. I would love to know how many uh, research companies would turn down a $110 million contract, though, to, even it, despite the incredibly short time frame and the logistical problems, which are enormous. They are enormous. But then one of the well, things... they're using the, the, the well-oiled juggernaut <laughs> that is Australia Post. I mean, when you've got that kind of muscle, when you've got that kind of reach, when you've got, like, often... One or two day deliveries every single most weeks, <laughs> then you know, like th- this is gonna this is gonna fly. By. So you're talking about quite an interesting thing again from a research point of view. What the, the success of this survey? Forget about whether people who who actually does it or not. Yeah, you're requiring the ABS, the with some help from the AEC mm-hmm. and Australia Post to collaborate to do a survey, and that is extremely hard. So you've got 
three very different kinds of service providers. So all of them <laughs> have to do... That's very diplomatic of you. All, <laughs> all of them have to kind of work together for this to happen. All of whom, it, it should be pointed out, have also not necessarily covered themselves in glory at the last, the last few times that they've been tested. I mean... Looking back at West Australia in the in the last election, looking at the uh, the, the, the census with the the uh, ABS and Australia Post, literally every day. <laughs> so, you know, I think taking three organisations who are, I think it's fair to say, under pressure, and saying work nicely together in a really short time frame to do something that's not entirely clear cannot fail. So, I mean, what this really makes me think of is that whenever you're doing research, and particularly in this kind of environment where there's so much scepticism about whether research works or not, yep. is you're always looking for what is the best possible solution that can be trusted? Like, how close can we get to the truth in the way that we're going to do this research? And the only way that we're going to be... I mean, there will be people who won't trust the result if they don't like it. There'll be no well, doubt about it. And I, I asked on Twitter a few days ago, so hang on, if they're going to... Um, something to do with... If 63% of people are going to vote yes, according to news poll, why don't we just pass the stupid thing and not worry about spending $110 million? And a lot of people were like, ha, ha, Donald Trump means polling is all rubbish. Um, yeah, Rebecca's rolling her eyes <laughs> as her entire discipline is uh, discredited by one flaxen head. Yeah, that's right. And look, you know, a very different kind of political environment, right? So predictability. So no matter what you say about polls in Australia, if you aggregate all the major polls, they very, very rarely get it wrong. What yeah. they tend to get wrong and what's very hard for us to understand is what's going to happen in bellwether seats or kind of freakish seats where you get a massive swing one way or the other. So, Well, that's what we saw with, with the, the last election. I mean, pre- pretty much everybody picked the result. I mean, the, I think there, there was a, a little bit of an overestimation of the Greens vote and that was literally it. Yes, and that can sometimes happen. So what... I always think with polling, it's like you, it's like a reading a novel that you read a long time ago. You, you remember the end, but it's all the details that, you mm. figure, that make it kind of interesting to see what happens. So I'm trying to be a bit optimistic about this. <laughs> so what this is is an elaborate, quite an extraordinary and almost unprecedented test to see if Australians who don't really care about the issue, but if normally... like So there's a lot of people, quite a significant percentage of people out there who if you said, should there be marriage equality, they'd go, yep. Are they going to actually post put the postal vote in? So I'm actually interested to see. The only way that we can see that, that this is going to be an adequate reflection of the community is if the half-assed people who don't give a shit actually get out there and vote one way or the other. Well, also, do the under-30s know how the postal system works? That's right. This is, a, this is a real concern. <laughs> so at the moment, there's this big campaign to say, are your details up to date? I want to do one. This is a post box. <laughs> yes. why, is there not, why is there not a kind of a meme out there 18-year-old, this is a postbox. Well, I thought it would be helpful if Pauline Hanson dressed as a postbox, <laughs> walked into the Senate and basically just illustrated for us all in her helpful, very very, very visual way how the whole thing works. No, but well, look, she's a redhead with a big mouth, so there we go. <laughs> she's already got Perfect. all the architecture. But would Nick McKim shake her hand in that case? That's the, that's the, the, the next big question. So, all right, um, it looks as though if, if news poll is to be, be believed, and I think it would be fair to say that it probably is, um, it's going to completely triumph in a boil over based on their polling. Do you think, Rebecca, do you have any reason to think that that won't happen, that um, 
the filter by this not being compulsory is going to affect the result. It's a big challenge. And like I say, so what normally happens is that we don't really have anything to compare this to. So if you look at, let's say, turnouts for any kind of election over the last 10 years in which I've been a researcher, there are federal elections in which people feel there's a really clear choice and some momentum. So, for example, the Rudd-Howard election where you got really good turnouts and low informal votes. And then... You know, you're still getting... Australians are still turning up to the ballot box, you know. Well, there are sausages and lamingtons. Exactly, you know. Um, And fines. That's right, and fines. But there's also a kind of a weird... The old sausage and the stick, I believe. It is. I like that. But I wouldn't... I would also say that Australians just... They just quite orderly, weirdly. We think we're really rebellious, but in the end we turn up and we, we put on our seatbelts, yeah. Basically do what we're told. <laughs> now when we're a terrible not metaphor for all this yet. When we're not told to do something, what do we do? Do we actually so so voter turnout hasn't always been to me a very good indication of political engagement. Yeah. It it fluctuates a bit. So for example, in the um in the Gillard Abbott election, remember that horrible one, you know, reasonably high, yeah, yeah, yeah. high informal vote. So what happens when you strip all that away, where you take an issue that isn't a life, that is a pretty simple issue, but for most people isn't going to put more money in their pocket, except for the, all the gay baking bakeries around them yes. <laughs> or whatever. Or, well, or I think the, it's going to be taking money out of No, them, it's going to be taking money out of the Christian bakeries. I'm yeah. not sure. All There's of, something All of there. those poor homophobic bakers and... <laughs> homophobic florists and the entire Catholic Church who plan to sack everybody. That's, you know, that, they are, they're the real victims here. Them, <laughs> Erica Bates, Kevin so, Andrews' cycling friends. I, I, it's the Sydney Harbour Bridge I feel sorry for. I know. Talk about a gangbang on the city. Everybody <laughs> wants to – even you took some pretty provocative photos of – That's true. Well, look, I mean, as I, as I believe I said on Facebook when I posted the photo of my, my wedding, I mean, Dee and I did – Evidently, marry the Sydney Harbour, Harbour Bridge in a polygamous three-way. They said marriage. this had happened. They yeah, said Eric it happened. Was right. It's already. Ha- Can you imagine what happens when it when it gets passed? I Anything know. Could happen. I know. So I suppose the thing the thing that you know in the biz that we say is that we're quite sceptical about because it's an opt-in thing in any of the stuff yeah. that we've done, but. And so in the end, it does really boil down to how well the campaigns do and also how old-fashioned getting out the vote, which we don't really do in Australia. You have to do in other cultures like in the UK and the US. So um, I still think it will pass, but I still think there'll be question marks over it regardless. It's been hilarious, actually. I mean, BuzzFeed yesterday um, had an article suggesting that what this – issue is going to do is get many of the 500,000 young people who aren't enrolled to enrol mm. and then once enrolled they have to vote or they get fined so we could have the fairly ironic situation of the next election being even more of a Labor victory because there are so many young voters who've been in, in, um, I guess encouraged to enrol. It has and been the most successful rock the vote campaign that uh, Australia has ever seen. Yeah. It's so funny isn't it? It's much more of an incentive I imagine for many young people than choosing between Bill Shorten and Malcolm Turnbull. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you say that, but they also get a sausage. I mean, let's not <laughs> let's not downplay the sausage. I guess um, in terms of what you um, have been researching on this issue, how are the numbers according to Essential on this on this question? Yeah, we did. We sat down and kind of aggregated all the polling that we've done, even on aspects of this, not just about whether people support marriage equality or not, but the mechanism for which they support it over the last five years. And then we compared that to a lot of the other 
data that's out there from other data sets, and that includes things like NewsPoll, but also the Australian Electoral Survey has been asking questions about this for some time. And so, look, there's always bits of, of fluctuations and there's interesting detail, but it, it, it pretty much boils down to about 60% of people are for it with a relatively, you know, somewhere, ever, depending on the poll, between 8 and 11% undecided. Right. I'm always interested in the people that don't want it. All right. So... They are colourful. <laughs> well, so one of the things that I think is happening there is that there are people who are of the Cory Bernardi persuasion who just think it's the beginning of the end. To tell you the truth, that they can read the numbers as well as we do. They know that it's a fait accompli. Eventually they're just prolonging the inevitable because they like it. There is a... Because of the nature of this question and because of how long it's dragged on... I think there's a part of the no vote which are just, oh, this is about political correctness and, you know. Well, that's been Tony Abbott's strategy, hasn't it? Exactly. To, to try and say this isn't about yeah. same-sex marriage. It's about this bloody same elites. Sex, this yes. same-sex marriage debate yeah. is definitely not about same-sex yeah. marriage. It's about elephants. That's right. So what I think will happen is when same-sex marriage happens and you poll those exact same people in three or four years, they're just going to not, you know, they're going to be, it's fine, it's okay, they're not going to care. I also think, and I couldn't put a percentage on it, there are, you know, this issue has now become, you know, like the thing that's in your teeth that you can't pull. You know, huh. the thing that, you know, the thing that you just, that should be able to take out of your teeth but you can't. It's just annoying people. People think it's chewed up a lot of energy and they're like, I want it to go away. Well, this right? is the weird so, thing about Australian politics. We seem so unable to resolve any of these debates. Uh, I mean, you must see this more than, than even the kind of annoying scribes like Andrew and me. Just the same debates keep going on, remaining unresolved. We're still talking about the Republic, climate change. <laughs> it's like Q&A is nearly up to 10 years old and <laughs> the same issues are being debated. We can never settle on anything no. in this country anymore. No, and I think that one why this has become, this has become more emblematic of what people feel is the failure of politics to kind of deal with even quite straightforward questions and move on to deal with more complex ones. Mm. And so sometimes I wonder in the no camp, particularly people who don't feel strongly, because we ask how strongly people feel, and the very strongly against it is really a, it's often less than 10%. Yeah, right. And so of the people who just kind of like, nah, sometimes you wonder, especially when they're doing an online poll, whether they're just, I just want this issue to go away. No, there's political correctness. And whether these are exactly the kinds of people who, once it's done, will just not care one way or the other and feel it's absolutely fine. And 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 so when you're thinking about the hardcore group in our society that just don't want this to happen, we're talking about less than 10%. And yet they've managed to, to stifle things for so long. Yeah. Um, it's, it's amazing, though, that, that the people who who just want this to go away, you would think that they would be swaying towards a yes, purely because yes. if, like, as long as it's a no, it's a live issue. Just like, shut it's, them it's, up. It's Have not, your weddings. It's not like everyone's going to go like, oh, it's, the came, vote came back no. Ah, oh, well. Well, we gave it a shot. Yeah, and I think that there's a part of the group in the yes camp who are just, mm. you know, who don't necessarily think it relates to them, although it's, it's pretty hard. I mean, I've been researching Australians for 12 years, it's pretty hard to meet a community where they don't know somebody who's gay. Do you, well, even you know, it's Abbott. actually really... Exactly. Do you, do you well, like Christmas Australians Christmas parties less? over the turkey must be hard in that house. I don't know who's <laughs> oh, going to come. Can you imagine? Um, was it the shovel who had the story about t- t- Tony Abbott uh, talking about his sister and her housemate? Oh, no. <laughs> They're just really <laughs> good <laughs> friends. They're going to start an online business together. So, they don't sleep together oh, at man. all. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even want to think about what's going through that man's head when it comes to his sister. But look, 
the ABS is conducting this this survey. I know that they're going to cut the data in terms of electorate, um, just because this is sort of a vote, but not really a vote. Um, are they going to release other methodology? We're we going to get a sense of the age groups and just how representative the numbers are. Do you think? They'll have to, and they will. I mean, normally they do that, as you would know, for federal elections, but often we get that material long after the election has actually happened. So you can not only see what's happening at the electorate point of view, but, um, you know, you can see just, you know, you can see those, that kind of material. What I don't think, um, what a normal survey is able to do, and particularly on something like same-sex marriage, is we're able to break it down in terms of gen, uh, not just gender, but kind of age, and, mm. and, and they will not be able to do that. I think, I wonder whether they'll be able to um, do any kind of significant exit polling in this area for us to get a sense. But part of what is happening here is that this is going to, and that's again why you wouldn't choose a methodology where there are question marks regardless of how it ends up. It's because you can't delve into the data in the way that you can in a very large sample. So, so they're not going to do any the adjusting that? Was Look, that, I don't know correct? how they're going to be able mm, to do that. Apparently, no. Apparently, yeah, it's, yeah. it's meant to be blind. Although, and, and I can see how if it was a private organisation doing polling, yes. that this wouldn't be an issue. But given that this is a, you know, a, a statutory body, which is formed sort of by an act of parliament, I'm really curious as to whether or not this falls under its remit if it's not going to have this kind of statistical well, that, information. That's what some of the constitutional lawyers said almost immediately mm. off mm. the bat. So people like George um, Williams from um, UNSW said, you know, started thinking, is this something that they actually can do? Mm. And so I suppose one of the things that seems really kind of odd and so shocking to me and it took me a while to, to absorb this is that, um, is that this was option B. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? So option, obviously the government kept saying there's only one way to resolve this. And to tell you the truth, when we would poll people about what's the best mechanism for this, vote in parliament, plebiscite or um, any other any other kind of thing. <laughs> or clusterfuck. Uh, or, <laughs> or I don't know what, you know, um, one of those really good surveys, like what character are you at Game, Game <laughs> of Thrones on Facebook? Quiz. I think that should have been know, that should, Look, 110 million, that could have done a very good quiz. Um, you know, that's <laughs> Facebook quiz. <laughs> when they decided to go for this kind of level, that's the kind of shock to me. When they kind of move from there's, this is the only way to do it and then they move to this is option B, that's the, that is the shock to me that, mm. there were, that this was their idea for option B. So... Um, yeah, so all the data nerds are, are upset for a whole range of reasons, but particularly upset about the methodological questions. And, and like I said, we don't have anything appropriately to compare it to. Well, we may never because the High Court might rule that it's unconstitutional. I guess yes. we'll find out. Rebecca, it's been utterly fascinating. You've oh, got to run off and do, do another podcast. Yeah, Tell no. us about that briefly so people oh. can look for it. <laughs> um, it's for The Guardian. It's a five-part series where we get um, – we have basically – a focus group between four very different Australians, age, background, live in different parts of the country. And we basically do a conference call. We talk about the big question of the day. And today we're talking about marriage equality. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, we're talking about... I hear about, it's quite an issue at the moment. It is. It is quite an issue. So um, it's been... It's been hard and interesting. It's been always a bit of a... It's always a bit of a um, eye-opener for journalists of all stripes, right or left, to say that most of the time the community's views don't fit neatly with theirs. 
you know, they don't really fit neatly within the Labor or Liberal or Green view of the world. It's actually quite a bizarre mix. It's almost as though we're nuanced, three-dimensional individuals. It is. It is almost that. I think maybe we understand that a little bit better than some people on the right, but that's my left-wing bias. Thanks very much, Rebecca. (laughs) Thank you for having me. All right, well, now that the expert has left the conversation, Andrew, we can yeah. catch up on some of the other... Let's get amateur. ...gossip going on. <laughs> and, of course, this entire um, question of the non-plebiscite may be moot, not just because the High Court may rule on that, but depending on how they rule on a bunch of other stuff, we may not have a government. What happens if the High Court knocks out Barnaby Joyce and a few other members of the Coalition... And, I mean, do we go back to the polls? Does he prorogue the parliament? Does he run screaming to another part? See, what I'm thinking he run screaming. I mean, like, I, I know that the Turnbull, well, I don't know for sure. I'm pretty sure that Turnbull is just an Australian citizen. But, I mean, if he could maybe sort of sort out New Zealand citizenship and just flee. It's looking good, isn't it? Apparently yeah. you don't have to... Um, have only NZ citizenship. You like Barnaby Joyce could immediately go over there and start running the joint if they would have him. And I and I feel like he's a kind of can-do fellow who uh, oh, yeah. in New Zealand, which if I'm not mistaken has a unicameral uh, parliament does. as well. Yeah. So you know, once you're leader, you get to do what you like. I mean, he and that seems like, a, like very things. much a, a Barnaby Joyce kind of place. It does, isn't it? So yeah, the I mean, there is one one new wrinkle which just got reported. Literally about uh, an hour before we started An- recording. Another person in doubt? An- another one? Well, no, no. This is this is still on the Joyce question. Oh, yes, But yes, now yes. Uh, Tony Windsor, the former uh, member for New England, who ran against Barnaby Joyce. A member of the royal family, no less. <laughs> um, ran against Joyce uh, in the last election. Didn't do as well as was predicted. But uh, he is attempting to join the High Court challenge on the grounds that if uh, Joyce, if it turns out that Joyce was ineligible to to run, then he is the, uh, as, as the uh, candidate who got the next largest number of votes, should, by his argument, be the MP, which raises a fairly interesting question. I don't know that you can do that. But, well, um, yeah, I don't know whether you have a new election or... Um, yeah, I think they just have a by-election. To count yeah. back to the next person. I, I, I mm. imagine it's a by-election, but... Um, yeah, I, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's like Miss Universe where like, yeah. if, the, if, if the current Miss Universe finds <laughs> herself unable to... Or the to, Tour de France, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I imagine Anthony Green's written a post on this or is writing one as we speak. But, I mean, we have a massive problem. I, mean, I, I, think, it's, I think it's almost certain that this isn't the last wrinkle... In this whole drama, we know that Corey Bernardi is uh, tantalisingly teasing with the notion that there's another one who hasn't yet been outed as a mm. as a dual citizen, and apparently their staff are walking well, the corridors, walking the corridors, and knowing, knowing, knowing deep in their hearts, come forward, oh, come forward, speak to us, freedom of speech, anonymous staffers. Well, here's a question for you: Should Bill Shorten have to release? His paperwork. He says we take it on trust, and if someone has any evidence that he's not a dual citizen, uh, any evidence that he is a dual citizen, they should come forward. I reckon it's a legitimate question. I reckon that if Labor is within their rights to do a check over in New Zealand and make a bit of fuss over there, which I think they were, mm. I think that he, like everyone, should be in a position to to prove their status. And so, Bill, release the documents. Come on, mate. Like 
if you want to be prime minister, you've got to be better than the minimum standard. That's true, and and I, I and, I, and how he does, he really does <laughs> so much. I I don't think that it should be across the board. Everybody needs to release their paperwork because that that does get a little bit sort of presumption. But why not? Guilt. I mean, why but, shouldn't those documents? Put it this way: their their declarations, financially speaking, are public. You can go and see all of their interest on the register of members interests why shouldn't we also have a register of members citizenship given that it is disqualifying well i think we're probably going to have to now aren't we i hope so i mean it i I think it's a bit of a dumb rule i think that um in essence we should allow dual citizens as long as they declare their citizenship so that you know if there isn't something that's genuinely a conflict they can abstain given as they would for any other conflict of interest well i mean the point that several people have raised and and i think it's an extremely good point is that it does things like New Zealand, the, 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 the situation with New Zealand, that's not under Australia's control. Mm. And so, you know, the, the, the facetious example that's been thrown around by, by a couple of, of commentators has been what if North Korea suddenly said, we will offer automatic dual citizenship for all members of parliament in Australia? There's. Like technically, that puts the entire parliament offside. And there's come nothing, on, and there's Kim nothing Jong-un, that would do. be great. I'm, and look, I'm saying this in the hopes that he's listening because I know he's a fan of the show. Of course, he is. He, you know, he, he's very into disillusioning. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, this is the strange thing. Perhaps that's the Solicitor General's um, much vaunted advice that hasn't been released either as to why Barnaby Joyce is likely to prevail. It seems I mean, we are potentially going to face the delicious. Um, situation where the Greens are idiots for resigning, uh, despite looking mm. like down to principal players in the equation. Maybe they jumped the gun, uh, Scott Ludlam and Larissa Waters. So, well, then it, again, if that happens, they can. Uh, actually, I don't. I, don't I, I was about to say they can't come back. They've resigned. Yeah, that's true. It's an extraordinary schmozzle. Um And if this is the end of Malcolm Turnbull, if if somehow this unspools in such a way that. Uh, it's the end of him, and there's a new election, or there's a, just a change of government. If the uh, a mo- no confidence motion goes through, what an extraordinary way to go! Of of all the <laughs> shit ways to sputter out your government, this would be. I mean, talk about that with with a whimper rather than a bang. I mean, it well, seems fitting, did, doesn't it? Look, a lot of people did predict that he would be the next Whitlam. It was just that no one thought it was going to be. Purely on the grounds of the dismissal. Well, it was crash, crash through or crash. Crash was always an option, but it's sort of. I, I, I used to feel sorry for him, and I used to be very much of the view that there was a better Malcolm Turnbull out there that would. It was always just around the corner. No, those. That, look, if it hasn't come to the forefront now, it's never going to happen. There's no, no scenario, and uh, I think that's a pity. I think that hypothetical Malcolm Turnbull could have been a good prime minister, but no, we'll never know, and uh, whether he waits for the next election for his execution, whether the party room do him in or whether the, the high court do. Um, he's, he's toast, isn't he? I can't see anything beyond pretty unambiguous footage of the entire shadow cabinet eating a child. Like, I, I just... there's it's so, it's so difficult to imagine a scenario where, where the coalition can come back. Because, I mean, th- this is the thing that I, I, I found myself... I mean, I, I said this in a uh, in a book that I wrote. In fact, I think I said this in both books I wrote. The, Does that the, mean you only need to read one of them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't even have to do that because I'm about to say the only salient quote, which is, um, and I'm not the first to say this either, 
in Australia, um, op- oppositions don't win, don't win elections. Governments oh, that, lose them. That that Everybody old hackneyed exactly. line. Yeah, no, that's an and this that's is an a, axiom of Australian politics. I can't see. I don't think there's that anything actually, that Labor can do to not win. During the whole period that we've made this podcast, it's always been about what was being lost in the day-to-day fast that was Australian politics. And it seems as though that is more true now than, than ever before. I mean, this is just extraordinary. We're, we're now arguing about who actually gets to be an MP, not even what they're, <laughs> they're doing. It's just insane. And there's just nothing's been done. Like, nothing's... Nothing is happening. No one is governing. I mean, this is the, and I think this is the the frustration that Rebecca was talking about. This this idea that they can't even get simple stuff done at this point in time, and and it's it. <sighs> the disillusionment is just surely snowballing. I mean, the the lack of confidence in the entire thing is completely. One would imagine off the charts, but but Shortened is doing well. There's certainly been points where there's been a, a rubbish government and rubbish opposition. I mean, we've certainly seen that in the 100%. past. But this, he does have discipline. He he does have a message. Mm. There's a lot of passion, and um, I mean, when Shortened came out and said, "No, no, we're not going to change the date of Australia Day. Um, there are other ways to fix that that issue." It reminded me that he was a completely market-tested creature without actual principle, mm. just that he knows that marriage equality is a popular notion and it's one that makes the government seem out of touch. Mm. Um, so in that sense, we, you know, he's still a typical Labor focus group kind of guy. Oh, 100%. Look, I mean, la- Labor, it, it does worry me a little bit that, that a lot of the kind of assumption that Labor are going to walk in the next election, which I, I think is a very safe assumption. Hmm. Seems like fifty four to forty six this week. I mean, that's 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 extraordinary. That's landslide territory. And that's, I mean, it's it's been hovering around like uh, fifty three forty seven for a long time. And this is, I mean, you know, it's within the margin of error, but it's not trending in the direction that you'd want if you were the government. The yeah, and, and I, I think it's important to point out that this this isn't sort of tacit support or indeed explicit support for Labour. There are so many things. I mean, for example, with the the uh, refusal to to even consider changing the date of Australia Day. You know, there are main Labour are a mainstream middle of the road party who focus group the hell out of everything that they do. They are not going to come in and be a sort of you know, bring about the socialist utopia that I certainly dream of. And there is still, I think, was it six senators who are going to vote no on marriage equality. Apparently, just no matter what, no matter what the result is in our postal non-plebiscite survey thing. Exactly. So there's again, not begging the question of why we're doing it. I know it's weird. It's almost like this is a ridiculous waste of time just forcing. Australia to jump through a series of increasingly fire-ridden hoops. It is weird. I mean, the fact that it's completely uncompulsory and non-binding, <laughs> it's simply a $110 million wave telling us what polls already tell us. Yeah, and it's... When you have a situation where nobody can even confirm whether or not they're going to acknowledge much less, much less vote in line with what the result is and when the result is as rebecca so elegantly pointed out is going to 
to be so open to criticism and so yeah. open to doubt, regardless of the result. I mean, as if, if the intention was to get this off the table, if if the intention was to resolve this so it stops being the vote hemorrhager that it appears to be with the government, then I can't see a way that's going to work because no. even even if it passes, even if we get a yes, even if it goes to a parliamentary vote and that go, gets through and we finally get to put this behind us, I can't see Tony Abbott sitting back and not prosecuting this case to everybody who will listen to him forever. Yeah, this is about the PM keeping his uh, his backbench suite. And it, it's not going to work. It never has worked. They still don't like him. They're never going to like him no matter what he does. Um, it's it's completely and utterly doomed. I will say, though, Andrew, one aspect of all this that I, I was very wrong about and that I, I very much need to, to um, do a mea culpa on is there was a point where I was kind of going, yeah, I hate the plebiscite. Let's just do it very quickly, like just have it in a couple of weeks no campaigning let's just get it done and have the vote it'll be a yes vote everyone's got a vote and um then it's done and i was kind of i still kind of think that if that had happened in a way that would have you know we'd already be over Mm. um but i do understand the argument that a it's completely immoral to have the majority ruling on the rights of the few in that way and that b it would unleash a wave of hatred um no 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 dom i mean look I think you're just underestimating the the good the inherent goodness and respect that this debate was going to bring out in people. But see, I, there I was saying, how could it possibly get worse than it's been? Yeah, now I know the answer to that yeah. question, and I apologise for that perspective. Yeah. I do think that if we got it over with quickly, it just would have been, particularly if it had been a compulsory vote. Um, it just, you know, we'd be there now. Um, but yeah, I would have I would have liked to see Labor say. Yeah, okay, we'll do it in six weeks and we'll have no campaigning and it's compulsory. I would actually rather have that. But we don't and we are where we are. I think Bill Shorten wants to legislate it. And and it does... It do, I feel like it would be unfair almost for Turnbull to be the PM who presides over marriage equality after all this. Like It just feels like given everything that he has put Australia through, particularly the LGBTIQ community... To, after all of this, be the guy who gets to stand up there and say, like, you know, and I've done it, just seems ridiculous and insulting. Oh, I'm okay with it. I, at least it will be done. At least and it will be done. That, that I, w- I would rather a positive result <laughs> sooner. But I'm just saying if it could, you know, some poetic justice and would be as good much, as well. as much as Bill Shorten's Mr. Marriage Equality, he checked, uh, he, I checked he voted Yes, um, previously under the previous conscience vote um, against many of his own party, the one that got down. Like, it's still not Labor policy. They still Their policy is still a conscience vote and many of them still no. Mm-hmm. Who knows what will happen after the next election if Labor are in? Who knows whether the union far-right heavies might mm-hmm. not get a whole bunch more seats and change the policy again? You can't trust Labor to be completely on side on this issue. Well, They're the shoppies not. are very clearly against it. I mean, that's... that's well, they, they represent those um, homophobe bakers that we're hearing so much about, <laughs> I, I can only presume. Oh, but you know what I mean? I just, think, I just think we have... While there's at least a chance of getting it done, we get it done, it will never be undone, and we'll all just relax. And there'll be weddings where there weren't weddings, and all the people waiting just as soon as possible is, is desirable, and it should be law already. Yep. If we'd had the plebiscite. Damn straight. 
I can see why they voted no, and I think in the end it was probably a good decision. Mm. But, you know, could have had it. Could have been on. More weddings will be fun. I like well, Yeah, let's bring on the weddings. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'd like to see, like, Valentine's Day, everyone just goes down to Canberra, massive open wedding. Um, <laughs> just, and well, maybe it's outside be so Corey Bernardi's get, electorate office. It'll be so, so difficult to get the Harbour Bridge there, though. It's a pretty good point. How is that going to work? <laughs> this issue is going to be the subject of our next live show at Giant Dwarf. It's on the 5th of September, which is a Tuesday night, and we're assembling a panel of superstars to talk about uh, same-sex marriage. And essentially, I'm keen to listen. I'm keen to hear what it's been like for members of the uh, LGBTI community. Um, the many years of this debate, what scars has it left? And it's, we're going to present uh, both sides of the... Yes, campaign. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be completely one-sided, and yeah. I think that's fitting. Well, we're going. To, well, let's put it this way: we're going to have all of the rational arguments put forward. Yeah, um, for, for yes for and across, for no. across the spectrum, uh, ranging from uh, yes, we should do this to yes, we should have already done this. It's going to be great. Um, do join us the fifth of September at Giant Dwarf. Book now, giantdwarf.com.au.